This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Carson Wentz, the Los Angeles Rams backup quarterback who on Sunday completed 17 of 24 passes for 163 yards, two touchdowns, and he ran one in too to give the Rams the victory. It's Carson Wentz. Abel, <laughs> and that makes me Kane. <laughs> and this is Ear Buddies. I am just uh, quivering with anticipation, pal. We're so close to our 100th episode of Ear Buddies. Did you think that we would make it to 100 episodes at the in those early days? Oh. <sighs> I mean, it it felt so far away at the time. It was unimaginable, and yet we chipped away Monday after Monday, and we and we've we've nearly reached it, Matt. We're almost there. Wow, wow, we are amazing people. (laughs) It just goes to show you what what can happen when two buddies put their collective minds toward uh, the same goal. Put their egos aside. Yes. Put each other first. Yes. Mhm. Mhm. But Matt, not every uh, not every pair of buddies in history has been as um has been as successful as as we have been. Or rather, maybe I should say so many pairs of pals have just burned up in the atmosphere at some point. That's true. And how? Most recently, Matt, Daryl Hall and John Oates of the famed pop band Hall and Oates. Matt, you've been reading the news. You, you can't miss this one. It's a huge, huge story. Uh, it's all I'm seeing for weeks, weeks on end. This is the algorithm is telling me that that these two, there's trouble in paradise, and there has been for some time. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing. There's been so much trouble that now it has entered the courtroom. These two are are so ticked at each other that they're in court. Uh, and I, I'm not going to get into the into all the nuts and bolts. All the legal eagles who listen to the show can handle that side. But to think, Matt, Hall and Oates, so many killer tunes. I mean, they they helped define what '80s music sounds like. I mean, to, it's. They're so important. Their contribution to the culture was enormous. And, the, and now look at them. They're squabbling. It's horrible to see. It, they're talking about name and likeness rights, royalty income. Uh, name and likeness. I'm Hall, you're Oates. Over <laughs> and done with, right? Daryl Hall accused John Oates of committing, quote, the ultimate partnership betrayal. That's as that's as bad as it can get for buddies. The ultimate partnership betrayal. It's as far gone as two buddies can be. <laughs> that's it. Nail in the coffin. And so when news like this, Matt, is uh, at the you know is a one in the New York Times, and at the exact same time, 
you and I are nearing a, a precipice, nearing a mountaintop as pals. Mm. I I think it's important that we take stock of buddies who are no longer buddies <sighs> throughout history, throughout music history. Yes, that is so important. Tim, the news about Holland Oates, mm-hmm. did it frighten you at all? Did it did it make you a little bit nervous? Because it made me a little bit apprehensive, because now, you know, we're nearing the 100th episode, The Mountaintop. That's right. And, and things have been going so well. Yeah. Uh, to the point where sometimes I pinch myself, and I, <laughs> I say... I just can't believe it. We, <laughs> my best friend and, and I, here we are making a podcast for everybody, for the army, but also everybody can be in the army. I spin my little Leonardo DiCaprio top from Inception <laughs> yes. and just to make sure it's, I yeah, must right. be dreaming. Are it's you going kidding? too good. And it's been going great for a very long time. So I, I see the news about Daryl and John. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they were once in our position. That's you know? the thing. That's the thing that's scary, right? Yeah. When Maneater was at the top of the charts, I'm sure they were not imagining litigation, talking about ultimate partnership betrayals, selling shares of j- joint ventures behind the other's back. Mm-hmm. All this, you know, I couldn't have dreamed of this sort of thing. And so I, I think it is, it, uh, it behooves us, Matt, to look at these cases and learn from them together as buddies let's sit down pop the hood on 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 ourselves a little bit right sure. make sure yeah. that make sure we're all oiled up and we're not uh we're not making the mistakes that these guys did deeply important i'm glad we're doing this matt uh you know several several episodes ago many many weeks i think it was even last season we we did an episode called ear buddies and uh, it was a case of me on the pitcher's mound and you at, at, in the batter's box. I'm, uh, I just sort of tossed you names of buddies in music and, and let you react. And it went pretty well. So we're going to do that again here. It's, it's sort of the dark inverse of that episode. Mm, okay. So I have here a list of buddies who are no longer buddies. Want your snap takes? We'll talk about them together. Okay. And I'm going to start with... Of course, the White Stripes. Matt, you may recall this is exactly where we started in our Buddies episode. Yes, I, I do recall. I'm, I wanted to start here again because it just goes to show that even great Buddies, <laughs> like Megan Jack White. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, we can celebrate what they've done as buddies, but also recognize that they are no longer buddies. Talk to me about the White Stripes, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> through, this, through this lens. Sure. Well, it's tough because uh, there are so many different kinds of being buddies. And I know mm-hmm. we've, we've talked before um, <laughs> about many of them. But these two were such close buddies that not only were they they in a band, but they married each other. That's right. Uh, And they are no longer married, which must mean that they are no longer buddies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but, but, that being said, Mm -hmm. this is a, uh, a case study in 
professionalism, I think. That's right, actually. That's 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 why I, I brought them up, too. Okay, go well, on. Go, I mean, that, you know, they're, they uh, were married and then divorced, mm-hmm. and then... And then the White Stripes got famous. That's the thing. They divorced in the year 2000. Uh, and it was 2003 that we got Seven Nation Army. And if I catch it coming back my way, I'm gonna serve it to you. And that ain't what you want to hear, but that's what I'll do. So, something to it? <laughs> well, it's... Isn't that it, Matt? It's, uh... It's a case of of pushing through it as mature adults, right? We could have never heard of the White Stripes if they had handled their divorce a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tim, that's a that's a great place to start because uh, what a what a shining example for for all, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be best buds. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to be legally married uh, anymore <laughs> in order to create some good music. That's that encourages me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, because you and I are not married, right? Not to each we other. We are not legally married, and so sometimes I think, you know, these husband and wife teams, yeah, they've got they've got that something extra. That's something special, right? Sure. Sure, there's, uh, pas- there's more passion, you know, yes. from a from a, a, a different place. Yes. Right. Why do you think Chip and Joanna Gaines have a whole line <laughs> at Target? You know, like, and I look at that sometimes, and I think ah, Tim and I cannot, we just can't get there. <laughs> there's that secret sauce, and it's not, it's not for us. <laughs> no, but, it's just not for us. But, but I am encouraged. Thinking mm-hmm. about this particular example, because it seems like maybe you don't have to be married to <laughs> to succeed together, which is great for us. Well, and and I also love this example, Matt, because uh, I'm reading from The Guardian here in 2011 when their split was finally announced, when their, their breakup as a band was announced, because they did formally break up as a band. Uh, And in their statement, uh, it said, Meg and Jack are feeling fine. The split was due to a myriad of reasons. And they said the split was, quote, mostly attributable to their desire to, quote, preserve what is beautiful and special about the band and have it stay that way. Going out on top. I like that. Isn't that nice? That's really nice. Yes. They're no longer buddies, but they... But they acknowledge that what they did was something great. And yes, they don't and their, they... their legacy is, is unstained. That's exactly right. Well done. Let's talk about buddies who are no longer buddies because they simply got too hot. I'm talking, <laughs> of course, about the Beatles. Oh, boy. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Matt, you know, we just did a whole episode about the Beatles, but we, 
uh, said nary a word about their breakup. About the, I mean, a they invented the breakup the band breakup really you know they and how uh because it was so messy and and everybody can point to a different reason for the breakup was it yoko's fault matt was it the fact that their manager died uh, a couple of years before the breakup and they couldn't quite get back on their feet what happened to these guys they're the uh, biggest band in the world. What happened? I'm asking you, man. You're, you're, you're asking me. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> a tall order. Uh, I mean, that's the question, isn't it? That well, is the question. Yes. Because they were such, they were great pals. <laughs> They'd been through everything together. They Every, were the yeah. biggest band in the world. And and it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. And do I think it was Yoko's fault? Mm. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to. I've I've read the forums, Tim. I've yeah, I sure. know I know the chatter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't. So I can't really. For once, Tim, I can't really answer your question. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I think they invented the band breakup. Because yeah. uh, they were very, very, very famous. And with mm-hmm. fame comes, let me tell you, stress, <laughs> pressure, <laughs> obligations. You're being pulled in all sorts of different directions. Everyone yeah. wants a piece of you and of your yeah. time. It's exhausting. Mm. And they're, I mean, four good buddies in a band together having mm-hmm. to deal with... An unprecedented, I will say, level of notoriety in the public eye. Scrutiny. Yeah. That, because right. we, we talked about how the Beatles, the Beatles invented all kinds of things. Well, and, yeah. you know, this breakup kind of was the first of its kind. And, and, it, and it comes, right, as, as they are really at the height of their powers, because they are... Growing to dislike each other, it seems like, as they're recording and releasing some of their most revered tunes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a ah, what a what a thing to wrestle with, Matt. Uh, for you and I, I'm thinking, you're right. Yeah, I'm our wrestling. best episodes may be ahead of us of your buddies, and and yet, what if we're recording them under duress? <laughs> you know, if uh, that's a scary thought. And it's it and it's 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 disturbing, I think, to think that uh, beautiful, important art can be made under such circumstances. Yikes! Boy, I know because you like that that you can't tell, you know, when you listen. No, sure. <laughs> Abbey Road, you you don't know that, but I think I think for us, Tim, mm-hmm. it's it's a similar situation to the Beatles, uh, at least in part, because. We also, <laughs> we have an obligation. Mm-hmm. We owe the army an episode every single Monday. Ah, yes. And there are troops. <laughs> that's right. And we, I mean, like it or not, Tim, we've made this bed <laughs> for ourselves and we must lie in it. Not that we don't want to now. We, we love being in this bed. Oh, but that's, well, yes. But it's important, I think, now at this moment, mm-hmm. uh, to entertain the idea that 
perhaps things won't always be so rosy. <laughs> and even if they're not, we, we can still, still put our heads down we and get the must. work done. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. So, yes, the the reasons for the breakup of the Beatles may to this day be hazy. I th- I bet even if you asked Paul and Ringo today, they'd say, "I don't really know." It's one of those things. <laughs> it's just one of those it's things. Just one and of those things. Um, but we do know that, again, what's it all about, Matt? Professionalism. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Professionalism, <laughs> family, masculine, masculine will. will. Yes. <laughs> the tunes, etc. the et tunes, of course. Yeah, yes. right. All right. We talked about buddies who are no longer buddies because they simply got too hot. I'd like to now talk about buddies who are no longer buddies because they got too hot in a different way. Hmm, okay. I'm referring to acclaimed folk duo, The Civil Wars. You only know what I want you to I thought you were going to say Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> well, those are two hot guys as well. But, <laughs> but I, now I see where you're going, but please continue. <laughs> Matt, how much do you know about the Civil Wars? I'm prepared to talk about this one if, uh, if need be, because I cards on the table. One of my very favorite bands here. Uh, and so I know a lot about them, and I've done a lot of reading into... Well, what happened with these two? So, you know, tell me where you're at with the Civil Wars. So I have enjoyed them. I don't think I've listened to them as much as you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they had a great time for a little bit. Yeah. And then, from what I recall, they had a pretty bad time for a little <laughs> bit. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, that's... Uh, a common thread, really, with all of these, yes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, not to be too vague, but I do think that's what happened. No, you're right, Matt. You are right. Uh, the Civil Wars, a duo, uh, Joy Williams and John Paul White, who, in the early 2010s, kind of became uh, folk indie darlings. They had a tune. On the Hunger Games soundtrack, they collaborated with Taylor Swift, and they earned, I think, three Grammys for their debut album, Barton Hollow. And what everybody loved about these two men is the intimacy. In their tunes, in their videos, in their live performances, in their photos, incredibly steamy stuff and it made people ask are these two in love are they married what's happening and the answer man is that they they were married to other people both of them they were not married to each other they're just a guy and a girl who liked to sing together and they sounded really nice and they'd sing about love and all kinds of hot stuff man <laughs> yeah boy 
Yeah, I mean, now, please continue. Let me make it worse. Joy Williams's husband was their manager. Oh my goodness, I did not know that. Look up the music video for the song Poison and Wine and watch it and watch it to the end cuz they're they're basic they're they're just about kissing at the end as they're as they're singing to each other and stand you know standing just off camera Matt is is Joy's husband watching this Now I don't want to yuck anybody's yum maybe he's fine with that no one knows what the arrangement was, Matt. <laughs> and that's part of the part of the intrigue with this breakup is they released this album that was full to the brim with intimacy. And then a few years pass. And then we get a press release saying that they have internal discord and irreconcilable differences of ambition. And then they drop their second album and they do no press together for it. And they never play together again. And so everybody's asking, what happened here? Were you guys in love? Did some, did your, like, did your spouses say like, hey, we got to pull the plug here? Like this is getting. <laughs> That's quite enough. Yeah. This, yeah. Cut it out, you guys. Like what happened? And Joy is the only one doing interviews. John Paul has gone radio silent. He's never talked about the band up after this point. Uh, he he left to spend more time with his family, you know, which, who knows? And <laughs> Joy is just, she's very um, uh, noncommittal in every answer. She's like, yeah, you know, it did look like we were really into each other, didn't it? Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. So, Matt, this is a lesson in not crossing... Certain lines as buddies, I think. I suppose, yeah. Like, because, <laughs> Tim, I mean, if if neither of them will speak candidly about what happened, yeah, it's got. It had to have been something. Yeah, no one, right? Because you could just say, no, no, no. It was nothing like that. You could clear it up pretty quick. Pretty if, quick. If uh, you wanted to, if that was the reality. But I feel like, boy. Oh man! It, what Internal a, discord. They what called a, it. What a soap opera! The husband's right there. <laughs> you're singing into the same microphone. That is Holy a, smokes. That's a powder you get, keg. And you get Grammys for it. You know, people are going gaga over this. Oh, boy. Right. So, I. You know, what do what do you and I take from this lesson, Matt? I, I mean, listen. We've already established we're not interested in a more intimate relationship with each other. So. That's not, I guess, you know, maybe not totally applicable to us, but, you know, let this, let this be a warning that it can really get nasty if, yeah. if you do let it get to that point. Right? Yeah, man. I hope we can talk about this off mic, but <laughs> I hope that our ambitions are, yeah. will always remain reconcilable. <laughs> I feel like we're on, we're on the same track, but we should just let's. I'll take your temperature after. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Absolutely. Yeah. Matt, the next pair I'd like to bring up. Well, you uh, you already brought them up just a few minutes ago. Simon and Garfunkel. Oh. <laughs> what, uh, what lesson is to be learned here? Oh. Um, 
Kim, I know I'm a I'm a big big Paul Simon fan. Yeah. Right. I have to be honest. I wouldn't call myself a Garfunkel fan. Mm. Uh mhm. I don't know and why. I just I must have missed <laughs> missed the train when it was pulling out of the station for for art. But No, listen, listen. You you I think you you have a lot of friends in in that camp, don't you? Yeah. Oh boy, an unfortunate, a concerning, a depressing amount of friends for art. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. And maybe that's. I think that. I think we've just touched on the problem here. I think that's that's the warning sign for us, <sighs> ear buddies. Right? It's Tim and Matt. It's Matt and Tim. Doesn't matter which order you say. Doesn't that. matter. I don't care. No, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> but if the day comes where it starts to make a difference. You know, and then we start to have, like, if if suddenly we get a lot of, you know, like, a lot of Matt heads out there, and virtually no Tim heads, <laughs> you can see, you can see, I guess, where art was coming from. Maybe mm, yes, yeah, I, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I think that art is. Mm-hmm. Um, actions and reactions have made nothing but sense. Uh, <laughs> if I was just along for the ride in the way that Art really was, like he really was, and he just was, to put a to put a really fine point on it, Matt, if if you with your buddy had recorded essentially the definitive buddy anthem bridge over troubled water that's right and then and then right you um, became kind of an afterthought in the public consciousness that's that's tough for old art here's my takeaway from this and you may have a different one in fact i hope you do uh (laughs) (laughs) self-respect it's so important (laughs) art (laughs) looked around one day and he (laughs) He, he realized, he looked up at those lights on the marquee and he said, it always says Simon and Garfunkel. And I'm just a singer. I don't know a thing about writing a tune like my buddy, soon to be former buddy Paul does. Mm-hmm. He's doing all of this. And I am just here with my weird hair singing <laughs> harmonies. Anybody mm-hmm. could do this. Simon did not need Garfunkel. And Garfunkel looked... At you know he took stock and he said, yeah. "That's enough." Then right. I know that's not exactly how it went down. Sure, but 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 the broad strokes here are more important, I think, than the um, than the fine details because these two have tried to reconcile repeatedly. That's what I find so interesting about Simon and Garfunkel. Is sure they broke up that uh, that moment under the marquee that you mentioned. Proverbially, it happened. Uh, it, but time passed. They both reflected on the good old days. They One called the other up and said, hey, why don't we give it one more go? They said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And every time, Matt, <laughs> it ended in catastrophe. They, okay. they hate, they, these guys hate each other. <laughs> See that? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're talking about that because that is actually so, so funny to me. Like, <laughs> These guys 
cannot get it together. No. I wonder how that went every time. Like, was it... Was it all... I'm reading that their 1972 attempt at reconciliation was, quote, torturous. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, these guys, they're, they're trying so hard to just get along with each other. And they just can't. No, they cannot. For, for any reason. <laughs> Reunion tour, new album, I, I cannot None of it. be in the I same don't room look at with this that guy. guy. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe the takeaway is some people just <laughs> maybe aren't meant to be. That's it. That's it. I, it. They did amazing work together while they could tolerate one another. And that time passed. And it was a mistake every time they tried to bring that <laughs> bring it back. <laughs> and so I hope they have I hope they've both learned that lesson that boy. This guy's just not for me, and I'm <laughs> not for like, him. I will go to his funeral, but that's it. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to that guy ever again. I'm not super worried about that with us. No, I think we have enjoyed each other's company for long enough to know by now. Right. right. Although, Tim, do people say, and I don't know the answer to this, Yeah. do people say Matt and Tim, or do they say Tim and Matt? <sighs> Let me... Let me put it this way. I'm the one who um, did the back-end work to get our show on iTunes and all that. And when I wrote the description of Ear Buddies, I wrote, quote, Join Matt and Tim, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I put my pal before me. You know what, Tim? We've never talked about this. Never even privately. I never mentioned it. Mm. But I, of course, noticed that. I'm detail-oriented. I care about the pod. <laughs> And I knew that's why I knew that's why you did that. If I had if I had been doing the the back end work, the producing the show, I would have said Tim and Matt. And that is why we're always going to be pals. Matt, you drew the the artwork for the podcast, and uh, you put me on the left. Man, this is perfect. This can't go wrong. I don't even know I, why we're no uh, exactly. recording these eventualities. <laughs> Matt, we uh, earlier in the show and brought up. A very famous duo, Cain and Abel, which is a, a good way of asking, what do you know about the Everly Brothers? Dream. Oh, Tim, I am embarrassed. I am red in the face to admit that I don't know much about their history. Hmm. Mm, a rare L from Maddie there. Uh, but <laughs> Don't stress about it. <laughs> but I do... Uh, love their tunes. I am. I would consider myself a fan, an Everhead. <laughs> These two brothers, Phil and Don Everly, you know, they own the '50s and '60s. They're making all this great, like folk rock. You know, it's gorgeous music they're brothers Matt of course they harmonize well they sound mm. incredible together yes and how and yet as is so often the case for siblings Matt it turned out that they just were not very very close personally mm. Phil Everly said in 1970 quote we've only ever had one argument it's been lasting for 25 years 
they just something in something at their core has driven a wedge between the two. And in the 1970s, Matt, uh, 1973 to be specific, a really something really amazing happened. They broke up on stage while performing. Oh, really? Yes. That's news to me. <laughs> go ahead. Go on. Sure. I don't want to make too much light of it because it was uh, at least slightly influenced by Don Everly's Ritalin addiction. Um, and he was having nervous breakdowns, uh, not handling fame very well. Uh, and, and so 1973 rolls around. They decide they want to start wrapping things up as, as a group, as pals. In Don's own words, he said, I was half in the bag that evening at at one, at one what was going to be the first of their last two shows. He said it was the only time he was ever drunk on stage in his life. And he was playing like a fool. His He was hitting all the wrong notes. It was a disaster. And Phil was furious with him. Don's goofing up the lyrics. And Phil was so angry, Matt, that he literally smashed his guitar. He th- he slammed it onto the stage repeatedly and busted it in half. He stormed off stage. And that was it for the Everly Brothers. In front wow. of a crowd. Tough. What a way to go. So, what do we learn here? Okay, What do a, we learn here? <laughs> addiction. You know, we <laughs> neither of us should... Um, grow too dependent on uh, substances, I suppose. That's important. Okay, agreed. Uh, We're not brothers. (laughs) That's... For us, Tim, I think... are we? (laughs) (laughs) Look, Tim, uh, I've got several brothers. Yeah, sure you do. Um, And how, yes. Yes, and I would say I'm pretty close... With all of them, to you know, different degrees, uh, but mm. we're all pals. Yeah, and yeah. you know, uh, it's been documented here that I was in a family bluegrass band growing up oh. with my brothers. Yes. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. I'm gonna lay down my sword. Thank God that band <laughs> broke up because if it hadn't. You think there could have been an Everly situation? There would have been an Everly situation. <laughs> now, granted, I was 13 or 14, uh, and they, yeah. were, they were younger and therefore stupider. But the fury that I felt on stage pretty often at county fairs and nursing homes across the upper Midwest, uh, I cannot tell you. I, I understand... Where Phil was coming from. Sure. Because if my mom wouldn't have made me pay for it, I would have broken my fiddle right over my knee. Oh. Dozens of times. So I guess maybe don't ever work with family. That's maybe the... <laughs> sure. That's advice not maybe for the two of us, but for all of Just us. for everybody. For yes. everybody. Keep it out of the family. Yeah, if you can. It art gets is, messy quick. Art is such a... Uh, 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 Temperamental, beautiful little thing, right? It's fragile. Yes, and you and everybody feels a, th- a certain way about it, and you you grow passionate about these things. And 
you're not going to hold back on your family, right? Because you're, you're blood. It's like you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. At least, yeah, you know, if you're just pals, you're not going to you know, strike the other one down with a stone. You'd think, right? You'd think that's a that's a brotherly crime. That that's you know, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, really, no, no band of brothers has ever made it. Well, they, I mean, they've never. They've never survived. <laughs> the Beach Boys, Dennis drowned, Carl died, Brian oh. lost his mind. It can't Gosh. work. <laughs> no, it can't. <laughs> it clearly cannot. <laughs> oh man, it's been a heavy episode, right? A lot of yeah, well, a lot of cautionary about. Yeah. a lot of cautionary tales. So I'd like to leave us on um maybe a, a more mirthful note as well, I that would often... be great. Thank you. <laughs> right. One more, one more group, Matt, for you and I to parse. The Oneaters. What happened to the Wonders, Matt? You doing that thing you do. Is this is this bait? I'm I'm asking you, what happened to the famed early 1960s band behind? The hit single, That Thing You Do. What happened to Jimmy, Guy, TB, and Lenny? Well, um, <laughs> Liv Tyler <laughs> was one thing that happened. Well, right. You know the, the way, way she made eyes at Guy at, yeah. in, the, in that garage. Yeah. Right. Come on. I think Tom Hanks was the problem, actually. Yeah, say more. I'd like to hear. <laughs> well, he... Okay, listen, I mean... Spoilers for the 1994 film, That Thing You Do. But Tom waltzed in, slimy, suspicious. I didn't trust him at at all. No, no. Yeah, he was well cast. Yeah, well, that's right. (laughs) And he he sticks him on a a little, uh, you know, media tour that essentially guarantees that they are going to be one-hit wonders. He never lets them back in the studio, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matt, they all had their their problems, right? Jimmy had ego. The bass player, whatever, he he wasn't committed. They're, they all had, <laughs> they weren't going anywhere. But right. all I'm saying is Tom Hanks was their manager. He could have done a little more to try to sow harmony with this group. Instead of allowing their problems to fester and grow. Yes, it did seem like Tom uh, was cool with the one hit and like wasn't really trying very hard to make anything lasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that that's entirely on him, but like he did allow that in a way that a lot of those cutthroat 60s managers seem to have been. Yeah. Um, but what's, what I like about... This, yeah, and I'll you. We're ending with mirth, and I'm going to end with a little bit of uh, optimism. Please, guy, uh, the drummer who was a jazz drummer, really. Yeah, right. He near the end of the film, he goes gives Liv Tyler a good kiss. Well, he certainly does. <laughs> he certainly does. Uh, but he he's in the studio and he's playing some jazz drums. The way yeah. he likes it, just the way he likes it. That's right. <laughs> and and it sounds pretty good. And he uh, is given some 
some words of advice, wisdom, pep talk from uh, whoever that guy is. <laughs> yeah, some that, some acclaimed jazz guy. Yes, and we looked up to. Yes, and he ends up uh, in the I guess epilogue. He's married to to live, mm-hmm. and he's teaching at a jazz conservatory. And so, for me, what I take <laughs> from that is if everything goes down in flames for you and me, Tim. Mm-hmm. If the army is routed, if our planes fall from the sky <laughs> and our ships sink underneath the surface of the ocean, yeah, we still will have our, I guess, our original passions and loves. You know, mm. you can't take music away from me, nor can I from you. Ugh. Wow. Isn't that nice? I mean, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not planning on it, but that's this. This whole thing is just kind of you're right. Preparing for the worst, so you're right. <laughs> so I you're like right. to think. I like it's to think. That's beautiful, Matt. This the music. You can't take that away from from any of us, really. That's right. It's music uh, is so powerful. <laughs> music is just so powerful, and it's so important. <laughs> what this is all about it's what this is all about when Gosh. it comes down to it we've been saying it forever ear buddies we'll continue in a moment This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by professional NFL journeyman quarterback, Carson Wentz. Matt. Hey, Tim. It is it is a warm blanket, isn't it, to have Carson as a sponsor? Doesn't it just feel right? Oh, buddy. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I have been... We had him that one time. Well, right. We've had him at least once, maybe maybe twice. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He, it's good to time, have him. <laughs> it feels good every time. It's good. Matt, Carson, as I said just a moment ago, is a professional quarterback in the National Football League. Now, how many of us can say that? Well, so few of us, truthfully. Even Now, I should, as a responsible journalist, I should add one word there. Backup. He's a he's a backup quarterback. Hmm. Was he always a backup? Uh, no, 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 no. He okay. was he was drafted second overall. Hmm. Mm-hmm. To the Philadelphia Eagles. Go That's Eagles! Right. Yes. And he. Listen, I'll, I'll give a brief summary for those who have not been following closely. Carson, uh, an absolute wonderkind in the NFL to start. He's embraced by Philly. Everything's going great. And then the next year, Matt, he is he's a destroyer out there. He's he's 
chopping up defenses left and right. He's nearly named NFL MVP that year before a, a gruesomely timed ACL tear takes him out for the rest of the season. And what made it worse, Matt, this is this is an ad break about psychology. I'm just, you know, strap in. Yeah, what I'm, made I'm it, here. What made it worse? So he's he's on top of the world, right? Seems like nothing can stop this guy. He tears his ACL. His backup comes in and leads the team to a Super Bowl victory. Oh. Matt, there's a statue outside the Philly Eagles stadium of that backup quarterback. You are lying to me. I'm serious. <laughs> this cannot be. What does that do to a guy's brain, Matt? What... Can you imagine? I cannot imagine. I'm trying to imagine <laughs> right now. <laughs> and after that, he was never the same, Matt. He came back fully healthy the next season, uh, but he uh, was a kind of a disaster. He he was never the same player. Never never reached those same highs. Eventually, gets cut. They they say they say goodbye to him. The Eagles after five seasons they say okay we're we're good man thank you so much for everything you've done. And after that Matt he's going all over the place. He joins Washington. Uh, then he goes to the Indianapolis Colts and almost leads them to the playoffs, but loses to the worst team in the league to to miss the playoffs. He's one and done with the Colts. He goes back to Washington, Matt. They release him after one season. And then, Matt, you know what? That takes us to this NFL season, which started with Carson as a free agent, drifting on no team. There was a photo taken of him wearing, uh, it was something like the Eagles uniform pants and the Washington helmet and the Indianapolis jersey practicing at his like personal it was it was tough man it was a hard look no yeah. one wanted this guy Ugh. until november of 2023 when the los angeles rams say carson we got a spot for you here on the bench right behind our starter matthew stafford i know this is a lot of football talk gang but listen it's it's very important build up to what happened just yesterday. This is a human story. The Rams sign Carson to be the backup. He rides the bench. All this time, Matt, what? It's been what? Eight years, something like that, since He's he joined the be league? What's going years through this guy's head? Now. Oh. How is he handling this? Who knows? No, no one but Carson. The, the Rams make the playoffs, they secure a spot in the NFL playoffs before the season has ended, which means that their week 18 game, that's this past week, Matt, this past weekend, essentially didn't matter. It meant that they were going to allow their starting lineup players to rest to avoid getting injured. It meant that Carson Wentz had his first NFL start of this season on Sunday. His his head spinning, right? All these thoughts, this the doubt, the fury, the questioning, all of it, Matt, comes to a head on Sunday, and what does he do with it? He puts the helmet on and he gives a QB clinic 
to all the haters, Matt. He completes 17 of 24 passes for 163 yards. He throws two touchdowns. He rushes 17 times for 56 yards, including a mad rush. The ball is snapped to Carson, and he keeps it, puts it under his arm, and runs into the end zone for a touchdown. And he spikes the football to the ground and lets out a victorious yelp. (laughs) The backup (laughs) achieves greatness. Carson Wentz, back. He's back, Matt. And here he is, sponsoring your buddies. That is so great. Carson Wentz is a better man than Mm. I will ever be. (laughs) And I say this because if I had gone through the hell that he went through, drifting on a rotten log down the river of NFL drafts for ages, it must have seemed. (laughs) And then you... You make me ride the bench, which is football talk for just sit there. Yeah. And and I I used to have it all. I was the golden child. I remember and now that. There's a, and there's a statue of my replacement outside the stadium that I played for. If I was on the Rams on that Sunday. Yes. That fateful day. <laughs> and they said, suit up, buddy. You're going in. Because yeah. we're already going to the p- playoffs and it doesn't matter. Yes. I would say, no thank you. Buzz off. I'm going to sit here and eat a hot dog. <laughs> I am not going out there for what reason? So I can run around like a fool and be a team player and 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 bring this, this team to a fake victory or a fake loss? It doesn't um, matter what yes, I do. Yes, a meaningless victory. Yes. Everything has been predetermined already. Yeah. I say this is like Calvinism. I'm there's, I'm I'm out. Do not make me do that. I refuse. I will not do that. And for Carson to not only have the the spine, the integrity, the that's right, masculine will. <laughs> there it is. Yes, because that's what this is. That's what this absolutely. To go out there and toss that pigskin around and catch that pigskin when it's coming toward him and run around with it. And ducking and dodging tackles, and he's <laughs> zipping left and right, and his feet, you can't even keep up with him, right? For him to do not only that, but to to score points, and, <sighs> and let out a victorious yelp of, of <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> that is admirable. I am so oh. proud. I am so proud to have him sponsoring Ear Buddies because this is the kind of, of, of stick-to-itiveness and get-up-and-go that we at Ear Buddies. Yes. And in the Army. We in the Army. That's what it's... I mean, that's it, what we're talking about. Oh. It's all about stick-to-itiveness, man. Yes. Carson exemplifies that indomitable masculine grit. will. Say American it, Matt. spirit. It's, it's grit. It's grit. It's grit. It's true grit. Come on. Carson the, has ah. more grit in his his non-throwing pinky than most of us, even even highly decorated members of the Ear Buddies Army. 
could ever hope to have in our entire lives. We we cannot help but look up to this man yes. in awe and say, you are a hero. He is a model. He, You're our hero. He doesn't need that statue. No. You know, we've... No. We are building him one now in the clouds. <laughs> he is building it himself. That's right. That's right, Tim. Chisel in hand. And he was out there on Sunday, <laughs> like Michelangelo. Carving away everything that wasn't a touchdown. Welcome back to Ear Buddies. Welcome to Show and Tell, Matt. Uh, Shall I kick us off? Yes, please. Okay. The Everly Brothers. They did make some good tunes, didn't they? And how, Tim? So however it ended, uh, we, we can still say... Well, thank goodness they made all that great stuff. And a couple of musicians that you wouldn't expect, maybe, to collaborate did just that in 2013 when Billy Joe Armstrong, the lead singer of Green Day, paired up with Nora Jones and recorded an album called Foreverly, a bunch of covers of their favorite Everly Brothers tunes. I'm going to play one now. It's called Long Time Gone. You cheated me and made me lonely. I tried to be your very own. There'll be a Love this uh, because sometimes the unlikeliest buddies uh, make the make the best pairs. Yeah, Green, the lead singer of that. Green Day and Nora Jones, right? A, a a sultry jazz vocalist and you know the American idiot himself. <laughs> I think I think I understand that song correctly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who it really is. <laughs> no, I don't want to know. Uh, anyway, the two of them pairing up, doing folk music? Weird, but it is a really good record, Matt. It's just a its a lovely set of uh, reverent covers. They, they clearly love the music. They clearly love the uh, original tunes, and they play them and sing them very nicely. Boy, I didn't even know about that one, Tim. That that collaboration. That's yeah. that's nice. Billy Billy Joe and Nora. He, he's a real musician. Yes, I right. 
I think it's easy to look at Green Day and kind of laugh as a cool guy. Uh, but hey, look at this. He's got he's got chops. He's got chops. Definitely some chops indeed. <laughs> easy peasy. Just nice to nice to see a couple of weirdos get together like that. It really is. What do you got, buddy? Oh, I've got a classic, Tim. I've got the most obvious, perfect, all-time <laughs> one for uh, a discussion about when buddies go bad. Mm. And that, of course, is a song by a band called Fleetwood Mac. And the song is, <sighs> you guessed it, Go Your Own Way. What a tune. It is such a tune. And I, I wanna I've wanted to Tim, you know me. I've got I've got ideas floating around in my head like mosquitoes on a hot summer day in Minnesota. Uh, that's one of them, in fact. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a good one. Thanks. But I've I've wanted to talk about this song on its own merits. Just mm. but there's it's it's not really an episode worthy. So it's a show and tell. First yeah. of all, I want to say that this of course is the classic buddy. Uh, you know, I'm mad at my buddy song because <laughs> Lindsey Buckingham wrote it for. Well, I mean the band and his. Former lover Stevie Nicks, also in the band, was singing back up on it, and she would have to sing these words that he wrote, kind of specifically to well to work through some stuff, but to make sure. her mad, uh, and it worked. And Rumors, the album, is a yes. is the is the album uh, yes. when we're talking about strife in the band, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, contextually, this is just a great tune for this conversation. Also, it's just a great, great tune, period. It's, yeah. it's I love yeah. this song. Um, well, what an album. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, <sighs> you know. the Yes, the, the proportion of strife to quality, you know, yep. is... It's yep. insane. It's insanely right. high on both ends. That's it's crazy. right. Just yeah, we talked about that a while ago in this episode, but mm-hmm. that's you know good example there. Gorgeous uh, stuff. But the it's all about the tunes, really. And yes. I just want to say about this song that is very mm-hmm. interesting because when it was first released, uh, people didn't like know what to do with it. Because you might be asking yourself why it seems pretty straightforward. Sure, it is because you've heard it a thousand times. Uh, they could not figure out where the where the one was, where the the, I, the first beat was, which well, is so. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, in fairness, it's it's a little disorienting. It's, it is very disorienting until you drop into the chorus. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so now, because we've all heard uh, this song, however many mm. times we can start bobbing along to it immediately. Yes. But that intro comes in and and Lindsay's playing the acoustic and he pushes that first beat and then mm-hmm. Mick Fleetwood is truly all over the place 
on the drums. Like, <laughs> yes. he's keeping time, but, like, how? And why like that, right? <laughs> totally, right. There's not a, not a discernible pattern to be found. Right. It, it's, it's like, just barely, barely keeping it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, once the chorus hits, we're, we're back on solid ground. And I just, I love that little anecdote because it really, to me, I'm like, oh, so people know how to listen to music, oh. right? They don't, they, they don't yeah. know necessarily how to uh, phrase it or explain it, which is why we have ear buddies, but that's right. <laughs> I just, I've always just wanted to basically simply share that story because mm. it was like, it was an issue. It was like a real, you know, radio DJs in California were trying to like, figure I out I can't bob my head to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta wait, you know, what, forty five seconds or whatever to actually yeah. know where you're going with it. And I just think it's great. Well musically, and, lyrically, etc. Yes. And and to your point, eventually you do get it. And it is a lesson in um not dumbing something down for your audience. Yeah. Well you know? also like your buddies. Well we don't need no. to dumb anything down. Our, our, no. our army's at a, what, 145 IQ. Oh, everybody in the army got at least a 30 on their ACT. <laughs> yes, that's the cutoff for getting in. I know we're moving away from standardized testing, but uh, hey, sorry, not in the army. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have we some s- rules. We still very much care about those scores. <laughs> Talk to you later, buddy. Talk to you later, buddy.